Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Haley Barton, and really excited to introduce today a new season for Advent. Can you believe it? I can't believe that we're already at Advent. It starts at the end of this week. And so I'm really excited because we're going to mix it up a little bit during this season. We're going to have our Director of Strategy and Communications as our host throughout the season. I'll be participating, but more as a participant versus the one holding the conversation so much. And we have our special guest, Scott Erickson, the painter who has written a book a number of years ago, four years ago, called Honest Advent. And we've had a dream for a while of getting to talk about this book with him in person. And so we are together today in studio, really glad to be present with each other in the flesh and excited about our conversation. Wanted to remind our listeners who have been with us for a while, and maybe those of you who are joining us in a fresh way, that here in the Transforming Center, we really do believe that the seasons of the church year are seasons of transformation. And by that, we mean that there are truths and spiritual realities and practices embedded in each one of the the seasons of the church year that give us an opportunity to enter newly and freshly into our own transformational journey in a deeper way. And each one of the church seasons has its own emphasis. And so we are entering into Advent, and Advent, of course, is the four weeks preceding Christmas, leading up to Christmas. And there are themes in Advent that are really important for us as Christians. I love Advent probably because my work as a spiritual director and in spiritual transformation actually speaks to the parts of us that must wait, that a lot of the really true stuff that's going on in our lives spiritually happens in the waiting, and it's not a passive kind of waiting. It's actually an active and alert kind of waiting. And so Advent presents us with this opportunity to wait, but to do it in a very active and alert sort of way. The lectionary scriptures actually emphasize the fact that if we don't stay awake during this season, we might just miss the revelation. And so it's very exciting to think about waiting. There's a sort of darkness of waiting that we think about when we think about Mary and Jesus growing within her womb in that dark place where nobody else could see what was going on, but God knew God was stirring up something new. Um, And there's also themes of longing and inhabiting our longings more fully during Advent. And so there are really distinct invitations in each one of the seasons of the church year. And we're going to enter into our conversations about Advent as a season of transformation once again, and asking the question, how has God inviting me deeper in my own journey of transformation? How is God inviting me uh, deeper into my own intimacy with God, deeper into my understanding of spiritual reality? Um, How can I open up to what this season has to teach and to bring? And how can I be open to the surprises of what God might want to do that I'm not even aware of yet? And I think these conversations will have that feeling to it, you know, alert, waiting, and longing, and revelation, and surprise, and wonder, and awe, and darkness. All of these themes are the themes that we'll be able to look at during this season. We're so glad to have you with us. So I'm going to pass it over to Charity McClure now. And uh, as I mentioned, she works with us here in the Transforming Center, has been a part of this for a very, very long time. Very excited to see how she's going to lead our conversation today. Whew, no pressure at all. My first time joining <laughs> joining the podcast in a in this kind of a capacity. But actually, I'm I'm really excited. I have been a follower of Scott's work for a long time. I have appreciated many of the books that have come out. But the Honest Advent book was one that when we were ta- trying to talk about how to move into an Advent season this year, given this year's complexities, mm-hmm. this year's uncertainties, this year's darkness, which there is every year, but mm-hmm. in this one. 
I just really had the sense that Scott could help us to be really honest about how we are coming into the season. And then, you know, in a conversation with you and him that we could maybe let our honesty lead mm-hmm. to an honest hope. And so that's kind of the, the the theme that we've been talking through in our discussions before this podcast is that an honest advent does lead to an honest hope. And, you know, Scott, you say in your book that that's actually what we need most right now. And so mm-hmm. that resonated very deeply with me. And so I'm thrilled that we were able to put together a season that includes not just you, but your your work, your images, and the invitation to experience spiritual realities through through your work and through your artwork. So I'm thrilled about it. I'm glad that we're all here. Just a little bit about Scott. I'm I, one of the other reasons why I'm excited is just that I think there's going to be people in our audience who are thrilled that we're doing a season with you. I think they already know you and already love you and already have been um, engaged with you. And then I think there's going to be a lot of other people who are not. And a so, lot of other people. A lot, <laughs> a lot of other people. Well, that means that it's an exciting season for them, you know, to get to be introduced to something new. And so one of the things I said to Scott before we started was just that one of the places that I feel like there's a lot of energy is that there's a lot of similarities in terms of the way that we want to talk about things and be honest about things. And yet the way that you're doing it is different than anything that we've been able to experience in our community. And so I think that's a really exciting place for us to be as we try to believe, or at least I try to believe that these seasons really are an invitation to transformation rather than just the traditions that we always enter into, both the commercial and cultural traditions and the spiritual traditions. I think both can become places where we we just get kind of lost and we get in the flow and in the them and we forget what we're even about. So for those of you who are not familiar with Scott, Scott is an artist, an author, a performance speaker, and he is also a spiritual director, and he works to create art and moment that speak to our deepest experiences. And I think that that's what you're going to see not only through the Honest Advent book, but anything else that you encounter from him. So he is um, also a performer of two one-man shows, which is really no small thing. I've gotten to experience them. They're very fun um, and surprising and meaningful. And so one is We Are Not Troubled Yes. And then the current show is Say Yes, A Liturgy of Not Giving Up on Yourself. So he's also a co-author of a few books that include prayer and images. One of them is Prayer, 40 Days of Practice, and May It Be So. And I think that your Say Yes book is your most recent publication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to explore if this if this work and these images and Scott himself really resonate with you, which I think that they will. There's a lot of other places that you can can go with this. So I want to say thank you for coming. Scott decided to come here in person. So this is not our normal setup for those of you who are watching. And so that kind of leads me to our patron experience this season. So if you're a patron of the podcast, you will be able to see us having these conversations in a very cool Mm -hmm. little studio that is not ours, um, but we're grateful to be in. And you'll also be able to see the images with us as we have these conversations. And then additionally, you'll get to have an actual Visio Divina experience that's led by Scott and Ruth with each image that will help Help you enter even more deeply to the spiritual realities that these represent and hold. So if you're not a patron of the podcast yet, this might be the season to do that. So at $10 a month, you can get access not only to the video recordings, but also these practices with the images. And I think that that might be enough to get us started. Yes. And maybe Scott would like to say hello yes. to our listeners. I want to say hello to the mm-hmm. listeners. And I also want to say I'm a a man who makes a lot of stuff in a room by himself. So I'm going to call you when I need a pep talk because I feel so loved. <laughs> and I'm just glad to be here. So thanks thanks for the kind words. And when the invitation came to discuss this, I just was like, I don't want to be on my computer. I want to be with these people. So it, was, it wasn't it was a hard decision. It was just having to figure it out. But I'm glad 
I got on a plane and I'm here mm -hmm. and this is all happening. So I'm mm -hmm. glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, one of the ways I wanted us to start was for people to just get a sense of who you are as a complicated. As, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. As a complicated human, as a spiritual seeker, yeah. as an, an artist and, and to just introduce us to this book and your work and the style of it and where it comes from, because yeah. I think that it's going to really resonate with people about what you felt like was needed for yourself in a Christmas season with all that's going on and then how I, I really feel like how God draw drew out these kinds of expressions and and revelations for you. Yeah. I, a great way to sum it up is I've always been a visual artist, a visual learner, and yet I grew up in Protestantism, which has very little imagery. And so I always felt like an odd duck kind of in the religious practice or the culture I grew up in. And it wasn't until I actually left after high school, uh, a friend of mine, I know my whole life, she worked in Europe and she was like, hey, do you want to be by my assistant? And me and another woman were her assistants. And I lived by a cathedral, like three blocks from a cathedral in Strasbourg, France. And I went there every day, even if it was just for five minutes, I just would like stop in. And, and I had this transformative experience where I was like, oh, I just grew up in the wrong tradition. <laughs> like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a weird or there's no, there's no place for me. I was like, oh, I just here, here's this monument to a place where at the time, most of the population was illiterate. And so the way to share the gospel or the story of the scriptures was through imagery or through architecture or through space. And I, and this kind of question in this conversation started to grow in me, which was, what does it look like to make cathedrals now? Like, I don't think we sh necessarily should make cathedrals because they cost like a billion dollars. <laughs> but like, what does it mean to create visual imagery for us, maybe a spiritually illiterate culture? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of th the spirit working on me, you know, as we, when you look back on your life, you're like, oh, I see this thread kind of going through the whole thing. I think that was a conversation that God began in me of just like, you, there's a space for you to do this. And and so I, really like I'm trying to create a visual vocabulary for the spiritual journey. That's how I would think about what I'm doing. It already exists in a lot of other, you know, like Orthodox or Catholic traditions, but in I think what got mixed in the concrete, it's really hard to get out once it's hardened, you know? So mm. I, I don't necessarily need to get rid of my Protestant upbringing or th there's a lot of that that still really works for me. But I have wanted to offer some kind of visual vocabulary to that. And so that's kind of where these things come together, specifically in this then also being a husband, I, I like to say in the book, like, I'm not a woman, but I'm married to one. <laughs> and I witnessed three pregnancies <laughs> and three births. And all of those experiences were so much different than the sanitized depiction of this holy birth that I witnessed in the imagery. And we can get into like how this all kind of happened, but I was like, oh, I would depict this differently mm. as a witness to what I saw, you yeah. know? Yeah. And not because it was any less miraculous or beautiful, but because it just was more. Yeah. You have an idea of what it's going to be like, and then you find yourself in the midst of it, and you're like, this is way more scary than yeah. I ever thought. Pregnancy and birth is like a, it is a beautiful experience, but it's 
also par- paradoxical. It's, it's juxtaposed with like risk and fear. Right. Yeah, vulnerability. Like, our first pregnancy, like he, our son was not flipped and he was a, f- a frank breach, meaning like he had one leg kicking up, <laughs> one leg down. Oh. He came out high kicking in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, we had to do a C-section and that's a surgery. And that's like, it's not, and maybe this is as a man, as a boy and a man, you just don't really know what it all is, but you're just like, it's not like women just come in and they like open it <laughs> mm-hmm. up and they're like, here's yeah. the, you know, yeah. here's the bun out of the oven. Yeah. Like it actually is an oven. It's like, no, it's this whole experience. And yeah. it's like, I can't believe it happened this way. Everybody came into the world this way. And what got me during this season and I guess we're just getting into it, is like at the time when this book was written, it was like a tumultuous season of like a divisive election, a war going on, refugees, a virus, very much like today. You know, it's that hasn't it's just the names have changed, but it's all the same headlines. And I I walked into like a CVS and I was like, oh, yeah, it's Christmas. (laughs) And I just the stark contrast of like this hard and layered reality and then meeting the tinsel and the wonderful pop songs of Christmas, I was like, whoa, does this just, I love Christmas. I love the brand of Christmas. I think it's a great brand. I enjoy it. <laughs> but this conversation in me, this prayer was like, oh, does this have anything to say about does Christmas have anything to say about the world I'm living in? Like, is this just like a, a wonderful escape from the world or is this a declaration to the world? And then when I took that and at the time we were pregnant with our third and there were some things that we knew were going to happen, like third trimester heartburn, you know, like uncomfortable achiness, getting ready for something new coming into our lives that was going to change the dynamic of everything. Like these experiences started to inform this holiday or this season. And I was like, wow, this is a lot more real. (laughs) This is a lot more like human than what this holiday has evolved into. And that's where it kind of, as an artist, I'm always kind of wanting to find out that this, none of this works. I'm always wondering what's going to happen in my life that will make my faith fall apart because I want that to happen so I can just move on with my life. Because it's just like, stop wasting my time. Like if this can't work to the hard things in life, just let me be free from it and I'll just go on and, and do the thing. And yet I keep, as I, as I keep living as a human, as I keep meeting other people, I find that there's these depths that God still shows up in that the spirit, I find the spirit in and I'm like, oh, wow. And I think that's where my, in, my invitation to this Advent season was like, the question to me was like, is Christmas... Is it a memorial service or is it at a birthday party? <laughs> you know, like, is it something that happened long ago and we're like, oh, yeah, every year we remember what happened 2,000 years ago? Or is it a birthday party, like, meaning it's happening right now? And if you go to any kid at church who's dressed up like an angel or a shepherd and you go, <laughs> whose birthday is it? They're like, it's Jesus's birthday. So it's a birthday party. So that means it's still happening today. And, and my question to God was, where are you today? Are you incarnating today? Where would, you, where would we find you in the midst of our life? And, I, and as I was married and alongside a pregnant woman, I was like, maybe you're in human vulnerability. Maybe you're in this kind of risky incarnation, this new thing that's coming into the world. And, and, and maybe where we can look towards are the places where 
human vulnerability, our weaknesses are, and our limitations and our relationship to that, it's coming into the world. And as a man who can't get pregnant, <laughs> I don't know why I have to say that. We all know. Fingers crossed, hoping for <laughs> medicine to come through. No, <laughs> it's very humbling. You know, I had there was a lot of humility to go. I'm only bearing witness to this. I don't know what it's like to have to embody this, but I'm bearing witness to this. And that and that is a, the humility I had to take on in even trying to attempt this. I think, you know, the book isn't all about like birth and umbilical cords and stuff like that. Like it gets into other parts of unknowingness and what's growing in us and other parts of the story. But, but that's kind of where this all came from. Yeah, it's but just, I think it is one of the refreshing things about it is that it yeah. does provide a beautiful yet real look yeah. at what incarnation actually took. You know, yeah. both from a human standpoint, but also from our own spiritual understanding of what that means. You know what I mean? The representation yeah. of it and what you're getting at is things that sometimes people are not comfortable talking about. And some of the images, <laughs> sure and so, yeah, and some of the images, they feel really vulnerable. And yet it it those particular images brought me back to a place where during my own pregnancies, I don't think that I ever felt as strong and beautiful or as vulnerable. Huh. And so that juxtaposition that you're mm -hmm. talking about, mm -hmm. like I remember moments where my vulnerability was almost overwhelming and I would be overcome with emotion about a particular experience that made me feel very vulnerable even prior to birth. And then at the same time, there was also this other sense that I was having about what what my body was able to do, what God had given to me to hold, you know, and yeah. so there was a strength in it too. And so I think that that juxt juxtaposition is a very real spiritual truth that is depicted in, in the images and the way in which you have tried to bear witness to it. So I'm grateful to your attempt to, you know, to do yeah. that even from your, your vantage point. I think that it speaks also, though, to the importance of, of our imagery, you know? Mm, yeah. So the whole sanitized version of yeah. the nativity where, you know, all they're all sitting there, the baby's wrapped and clean, and her hair is perfect, and Joseph is, is there very peaceful. I mean, you know, those are beautiful images, but they actually misrepresent the very realities that we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, in those images, we never get to think about or reflect on or be drawn in to the messier aspects. Those images don't help us get drawn in yeah. to some of those realities. And I think that's been missing. I mean, I think it's really been missing in a lot of the imagery, which is why it's so wonderful that you're bringing us some new imagery that captures more of the breadth of what it is. And I think, you know, you mentioned your Protestant background that serves you well in some ways and maybe not so well in others. But I'm also thinking about the fact that we as Protestants skip right to Christmas. Yeah. And it's only been a recent thing that Protestants have considered Advent as the season, the significant season that it is. And so to not skip to the birth and to the moment so quickly, but to stay in the waiting place, I think it's so important for us. And the Protestants have missed out. We've missed out as Protestants. It's a newer thing for us mm -hmm. to say we're going to mark Advent and walk through this rather than just skipping to the Mariah Carey tinsel and all <laughs> that on Christmas. I mean, you know, like you said, yeah. there's a whole thing that happened before the moment when there was a baby. Yeah. And, and it's good to pay attention to that through imagery. And our imagery, the imagery that we choose to use does shape our theological imagination. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you've brought a new set of images that can shape yeah. our theological imagination, not to mention our spiritual imagination about what it means for us to incubate and yeah. to wait and to, you know, stay present to the places where God's doing something, but we're not sure what it is. Yeah. The images allow us to be present, like iconic images draw us in.
Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, do you see your images as iconic in terms of the definition of an icon? Because because uh, I I have sensed that 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 in iconic images, you know, there's the the tradition of icons where there was a practice around painting icons and it was a very serious spiritual practice and the iconographers didn't even attach their names to it because it was meant to be the spirit just coming through them. But the purpose of icons, you know, to draw us into spiritual realities and to give us a way to participate, I feel like your images are iconic in that way and mm -hmm. that they draw us into a spiritual moment, into a spiritual experience as we reflect. Yeah. Do you do you ever sense it that way? The, yeah. The the way that I like to, this this language came about, I, I've done a couple books mm -hmm. with my friend Justin McRoberts about prayer and what we, in our first book, Prayer, aptly titled. Very said, simple, to the point, simple. we know what it's about. <laughs> but we, because we wanted to make a prayer book that was for people who maybe have a tradition or who don't mm -hmm. have a tradition, because we have friends who aren't, who are like, I don't believe in anything, but I have this longing to pray for some reason. Why mm -hmm. do I have this longing? Mm -hmm. And what we, how we would define it, is prayer is not necessarily our words or our images or our song. Prayer is this deep interior conversation that you're having with God already that you maybe aren't in touch with. And words will help us get to that. They're like excavation tools. In my experience as being a painter and an artist, and I did live painting for a long time versus dead painting, you know, I would show up at events and... It's funny, I grew up Lutheran and I don't really have any like charismatic background, but like for a season of my life, the spirit had me go to places and like make paintings on the spot. And that's something I'm still, I'm grateful for, but I'm like, that was so weird. But I, people would come up to me and they'd be, have tears in their eyes and they'd be like, why did you make this painting? Why did you make it this way? And I'm like, cause I just saw that's how I should do it. And they're like, I'm, and they're like, what does it mean? And I'd be like, well, what does it mean to you? And they would tell me, tell me, tell me. And then the next person would come up and they'd be like, what? What does this mean to you? And they tell me something different. And I, I was like, oh, this is excavating something in people that is a conversation they're already having with God. So I think these images, so are they iconic in the way of, I think they're iconic in the way of they are excavating something that the Spirit's already talking to you about, or you're talking to the Spirit about, this conversation it's bringing up. And that conversation might be about you and your vulnerabilities, your longing, your frustrations, that you don't like to wait. It's I, I wanted to ask you when you're like, oh, it's important that we do Advent. I just, I was at church and people would be like, it's important, we're waiting and we're waiting. I'm like, what are we waiting on? <laughs> like, I never really got it until maybe I, we, I went alongside my wife through pregnancy and was like, some things just have to take time. That's right. And, and especially in a culture where it's like, I can get on my phone and I can order this and it'll be mm -hmm. here tomorrow. Like we can often bring that habit to our spiritual lives or to our lives and go, God, why aren't, isn't this faster? Why is there a prime subscription with God that I can get this next day? Yeah. But <laughs> I read this somewhere, but somebody's spiritual director named Sister Margaret said, God's very patient. God's like a, a, a gardener. He doesn't walk around kicking the cabbages to grow faster. You know, like some things in us just take time to mature, to grow, to come to fruition. And I don't have a womb, but I could say like a planter, if we, if we want to talk about longing or what are our desires, it could be like a planter's box. I think the same way is like God is already doing something to us. And we're like, what's what's happening to me? What is this thing? I don't know what it is. I just see like a little sprout, a little shoot coming out. 
what is this thing? And we have to allow the spirit and we have to walk through that journey. And then we're like, oh, I'm being asked to consider moving or changing jobs or forgiving my jerk family relative. You know, like, like all of a sudden it take there is this longing. It's so what you were alluding to, what was excavating in me, it was like, oh yeah, why we need to practice waiting is because, or the advent is because God is already doing something. And then what is God doing? How can I get in touch with that? What is the longing that points me in that direction? Well, and part of what's been helpful for me is sometimes my deepest longings are so big that there is no possible way that by the time we get to Christmas, they're going to be revealed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so part of my letting go in my Advent practice over the last few years has been to to understand that it's even longer than the season. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, it takes forever to wait till Christmas. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there are things that my unease and my discomfort and my sadness and my pain and my whatever is not going to then all of a sudden be wrapped up and revealed and birthed, mm-hmm. you know, by Christmas. And so the season is just a reminding of me to understand what those longings are, understand even more deeply maybe what is the pain of growing something, what is the pain of birthing something new. And I think that part of what we are experiencing as a Christian community larger than this room is some of the pain of not knowing what God is doing and what might be birthed. And, you know, like, and is this a prophecy uh, podcast? <laughs> well, I'm not the only one saying that. I just, no, I, I, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. We kind of so, sense it. We kind of sense that there's something happening. Right. And, and people when, are trying to write books and blog posts and be like, this is what's happening. Right. But we can't but see it. We don't really it. know. We, we can't see it yet. And so mm-hmm. when you were saying, you know, so many of the people that you know, or actually, no, you were saying it about yourself. You were saying, I keep looking for a reason to be able to walk away. You're, I, I sometimes feel that. I, some people close to me sometimes feel. That. Why can't I? I and why can't I leave this understanding of faith? Why, when it gets to be so hard and that I can't, it doesn't align with who I know God to be. Why do I still have? Why am I still here? And there is something deeper that I think is an honest hope that there might be something new happening, that God might be doing something new. And the pain that we are experiencing right now is about that, that there are some things that are going to need to break open. And so some of the themes that we're going to get into the rest of the season, I think, speak to these places where I I think even generationally it's different. I know our, we have, our audience has people who are in many different places mm-hmm. along the spiritual journey. Um, Scott was asking about who some of our audience is, and I said to him, I think that one aspect of our audience is a group of people who is of our generation, who's wondering, do I stay or do I go? Mm-hmm. What is there to stay for? I can list all the reasons why why we should go. And so th- what I'm hoping in this season is that all of those places that we can be really, really honest about, that we can also find a way to turn ourselves towards God and we can turn ourselves towards a truth that is actually deeper and greater than what we are experiencing right now because the work that God is doing is not over. It won't be over by Christmas, and yet Advent is a season of transformation that can teach us what to do in the waiting and how to be faithful in the waiting and how to be honest in the yeah, waiting. Yeah. Because I can I can numb myself with Christmas with the hardness of what's going on. I mean, I, I can either choose to be open during Advent and to believe that there is something that God wants to show me and reveal to me, or I can get all caught up in the things that make it feel good to be in something else. And I don't, I don't, like I'm not mad at anybody who's trying who finds themselves doing that. You know what I mean? There's a lot, it's a lot that we're all holding and can only take so much. What I'm hoping is that we can maybe 
choose to be in both, that we can have what is ours to be had during the Christmas season with our family, with our kids, with our churches, but that it wouldn't be separate from the realities of what that means in our everyday life. And that's where I feel like you're going to do a really good job of helping us bridge the gap because you're unflinchingly honest about all that all that would cause us to walk away. And at the same time, you're still somebody who's here. <laughs> you're still here for some reason. And I really resonate <laughs> with that. You know? Oh, yeah. I had a moment... If, yeah, maybe maybe people can relate to this. You know, I took a long break from church and COVID helped with that because you couldn't go. And then just kind of was like, what are we doing this? And found myself back at uh, a great community we're a part of in Portland. And look, I hate like half of it and I love the other half of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we could get rid of all of this and just do this. And I just, I found myself in the seats, I think in June. And I just said, I give up. I don't know how to rectify these things. I don't like some of this. I love some of this. I just, okay, I'll just, I'll stick with it. I think something here is really special and sure there's things I don't have preferences on, but I, I just, I believe in what's happening in this room with these people and yeah. I wanna be a part of it. And I think that's where there's, there's a bit of this like hands in the air of life, which is just like, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stop trying to figure it out. I just see that something's happening mm-hmm. and I want to be, I want to be a fan and a, and a progressor of that. There's so many questions I don't have answered. There's so many things I don't know. There's so many things I've cried over that I just don't get, but I see that something's still happening. I had a friend, if it's okay to tell the story, just, I moved back to Portland with my family and a friend of mine took me out for drinks one night and he he's very successful early retirement but he was like I'm still curious why you're a Christian mm-hmm. and I was like it's a great question mm. and I said well two things one is a Christ-centered worldview really hasn't failed me it still it actually helps me make sense of the world and it and it, so I think there's a bit of that I've had to get deeper it broader and what Christ means and where that is and and some theologians and people have helped me out I was like, the second one is a bit paradoxical though, which is like, I grew up in an institutional religion, which gave me a lot of wonderful things that I really appreciate, but has of late shown to be uh, a harbor of narcissists and sexists and racists and misogyny and some really awful things and has protected itself instead of caring for those who've been abused by it. And I think we're all kind of heartbroken. I'm heartbroken that this thing really showed itself to have a real uh, ugly underside. But paradoxically, people keep telling me their mystical stories, <laughs> like <laughs> on planes and at things. And it's when we can get to an honest spot, people are like, well, I had this experience with God. I don't really know how to talk about. And I'm like, so I live with these this paradox of just kind of like, sure, this man-made thing, oh, it turned out to have sin in it. <laughs> and yet something's still happening in the people around me. And I was like, I want to support what that is. Like something's still happening, you know? And that that is kind of what I keep bringing to the church. I think the church calendar can help us go, what's happening? What does the season allow us to get in touch with in Advent? This waiting, this longing, this growing, this incarnating, these are helpful practices and like something's happening to us. Something is going on in our lives that we can't, I can try to like compartmentalize it and go, no, it's not. And then just shut it off and don't talk about it with me. I don't want to talk about that stuff, but I'm always surprised and caught off guard 
I like to call the Holy Spirit the holy surprise. I'm not the only one who's ever done that because I think the surprise of the journey with God is to, there are these moments. There's a, it's like when I was a teacher, I was like, teaching is like a lot of boring days with like five really epic moments yeah. that you, that help you make it through the year. And I feel like faith is Maybe like that. Maybe parenting too. Maybe I think we fa- can say that about and parenting. parenting and a lot of things. But I think you're, our, from my understanding uh, of like the story of the seed and the planter, faith is really just keeping your soil tilled. Mm. And then there's these moments where all of a sudden you're like, wait, what's happening? Something's happening to me. And that happens maybe every two months. <laughs> I don't know. There's, I don't know, maybe more than that. But there's just a lot of like, I'm going to have my practice of prayer. I'm going to have my practice of staying open and awake. God, what do you want to do today? How can I be helpful? And then going through this weird and wacky life and finding God in the midst of that. Well, that's a really great place for, Ruth, for you to draw up this this introductory, because I feel like part of what you have been doing through so much of this podcast, but also the rest of your work is helping people know how to till the soil, how to have the mm. practices that leave you open and receptive to what God is doing. And so how would you guide us into so into a season that's going to touch on a lot of these things at an even deeper level? How would you orient us, you know what I mean, to begin this season? Yeah. Well, I think one of the beautiful things about Advent, well, all the seasons, is that it puts us in touch with spiritual dynamics that are just true. Mm-hmm. And so Advent tells us how to be with these places, the places where I know that I'm waiting, the place that feels dark, like you mentioned, where I'm saying, I don't I don't know why I'm still here, but I am. I don't know why I'm in this church where I love part of it and I don't love other parts of it. How do we be with these places of unknowing. And I think Advent teaches us how to be. It's not that all of our longings are going to be fulfilled in this four weeks this year, but Advent says, this is how you be with these places of your life that feel dark. This is how you be with these places of your life where you have a sense that God is doing something, but you're not sure what it is yet. This is how you be with the places in your life that feel like the great unfixables of our lives. This is how you're present to that. Even like the image that I'm looking at behind you, that's your image, this pondering, like to me, this image says Mary's pondering this thing that God's doing. So even the, the se- a season that is set up to help us ponder, to ponder what's really happening in our lives, to ruminate and to say, this is what it's like. This is what this season of the spiritual life is like, and it's okay to be here. That's what Advent tells me. <laughs> it's okay to have places in my life that feel dark and unfixable and confused, where I I really don't know what's going on. And it's okay to wait with God there. And in fact, there's a certain level of patience. I mean, the scriptures talk about the importance of being able to wait on you alone, and you alone, O oh God. In silence, I wait. So the practice of silence, of having some time in silence, you know, increasing our silence just a little bit in Advent, which is really challenging to do in our culture, isn't it? Because it's the busiest season of the year, juxtaposed with this invitation from God to actually be quiet and to wait. And so one of the practices that we love in the Transforming Center, if any of us are able to do it, is to wake up a bit early and to be there as the light comes and how that impacts us every day to say, oh, it, the light comes. We all, we, the light comes every day. If I wait for it, it comes. And so to just have some little spaces if we can get them. And I know that what I'm saying is really, really hard. It's hard for all of us. But to not let the culture push us to Christmas versus getting to sit in this waiting time and pondering the darker. And what I mean by dark is not a negative. It's more of the, un, it's the unknown. 
the, or the, the unseen. Or yeah, the, unseen. the unseen, yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that like that place where something is incubating in underneath the earth, for yeah. instance. You know, a lot of the growing, you know, there's the winter season when plants have to go dormant in order to come up in the spring. There's a yeah. darkness there, and we don't actually know exactly what God's doing down there under the earth, but we know that something's getting ready. And so to me, Advent just pulls me into the sense of it's okay to have unanswered questions. It's okay to have places of waiting. It's okay to have longings. And I think, you know, the other thing, I think longing is a is a deep, deep topic. One of the ways I like to think about longing is that Ron Rollheiser talks about the fact that our spirituality is what we do with our longing. It's what we do with our eros. It's what we do with our desire. Mm. So in Advent, I like to think about that, you know, that, that Advent invites us to inhabit our longings more fully versus charity, like you said, being distracted. Well, yeah, because it's sometimes... I mean, honestly, it's why we do any kind of numbing. Yes. You know what I mean? That and to, and to, Christmas is to, just rife with, oh, with totally. the ability so, to numb if you choose to, it. To be present to your longings, <laughs> yeah. especially the ones that you know are not going to be fulfilled right. quickly. Mm-hmm. That is a vulnerable right. that's a vulnerable place. Or to maybe be, uh, to be, even not this side of heaven. Oh, I think right. that that's the other thing I'm in touch with in this season in yeah. particular is Ron Rollheiser's idea of the unfinished symphony, yeah. you know, from Carl Rahner, that that all of our lives are on some level going to be unfinished symphonies. We will And not, our life together. And our life together. Yeah. And so Advent draws me into this reality of how do I accept that? How do I accept the fact that there will be some longings that maybe are met this side of heaven, but then other longings that m- might go with me all the way uh, you know, until somewhere beyond, you know, that not every longing is going to be met. Can I live with that? Right. How do I, as Ron Rollheiser says, how do I allow my longing to actually propel me spiritually? How can my spirituality be what I do with my desire and my longing? Whew, yeah. that is a really big place of reflection for all of us as we live and are present with our longings in Advent. It's a, it's a very profound invitation, I think. I'm with it this season already, I'm, and I'm ready for it. I want to go there. I can sense that I, I have, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling with this whole idea that, and I've wrote, written a lot, and we start our whole transforming community experience with the idea of desire and longing. So it's, what, it's, it's how we enter into the deeper spiritual journey. But then also there's this reality, maybe it's my age, you know, like I'm a different age than the two of you. Um, Which but, we're grateful for. Yeah. We don't all want to be, no. we don't all want to be yeah. in the same part of the journey. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, in this season of my life, I am, you know, you become more and more aware that there are certain longings that I've carried that probably won't be fully met this side of union, you know, the ultimate union with God. And can I live with that? And how do I let that be a spiritual, a spiritually fruitful place, you know, in my life? And Advent, invites us to ponder that that possibility. So there is just a real invitation as we enter into, number one, inhabit our longings more fully, to create some silence and space, to wait on God, which is a spiritual practice. In silence, my soul waits for you and you alone, O God. From you alone comes my salvation. To create some space for that and to actually experience that as a place of deep spirituality to, and to let my longings and my desires shape my life in a positive way and shape how I live my life in this world. How do I live and how do I live and express myself consistently with my deepest spiritual longings, my deepest longings relative to who I am, what I want for my life, what I want for my family's life, what I want for life in my neighborhood, in my community, in my world, in my church. How can I let my longings be a positive energy in terms of what I bring? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that gives us 
a lot to talk about for <laughs> the great se- start for yeah for the season <laughs> going forward and so i hope that those of you who are listening that something in our conversation today peaks something that you're like man i really i want to hear more about that i want to be with god with that maybe you just need to spend some time getting in touch with where your longing is i think that that's where i'm at i think that you said that you're really ready i I have the desire, but I, I don't think that I have yet spent the time. And mm-hmm. so I'm I'm looking forward to making space to see what might be there just for me and God yeah. as it relates to the things that I'm holding. And um, and not just what you're creating for your family. I think for women oh, yeah, in particular, no, yeah. we just feel so much pressure to create this season for our family. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. in so doing, like our families have a wonderful time, but did we have any chance to settle, yeah. to sink and to settle into what God was doing in us in a very personal yeah. way? Well, and I guess that that's the one thing I didn't say about the numbing mm-hmm. is that the numbing always feels good in the moment. And then afterwards, you wonder what else you could have done that would have been just better for yourself and your soul. And so I don't want to get to the end of Christmas and have that wondering. And so I think I'm, you know, my question for God will be, what is the small thing Mm -hmm. that I can do this Advent season so that I don't get to the end and wonder what might have been part of my transformative practicing of what to do with longing. So, and and let me just, I want to respond to one more thing that you just said. I think that there's also like what I hear you implying or alluding to a sense of courage that it takes. Yeah, to, to go to go to that place versus staying outwardly focused and distracted, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for courage, for, for, courage. For sure. um, but and and part of the courage is to to still have some faith and some hope. And so yeah. I'm grateful that that's the theme of the season. And I hope that in the time between this episode and next episode, that our listeners have a chance to maybe have some quiet moments to to orient themselves to these kinds of postures for an Advent season. So stay tuned. <laughs> 